0: discount. We're love to see you there. This is absolutely something that we support and we think that awaken is a part of the growing church movement that we want to see moving forward. Once again, if you enter code absurdity at awakennc.com, you'll get a 10% discount off the initial price. Love to see you guys there. Um, I think women and men, our ultimate goal is to be is to, is to put on the character and the mindset, the
1: mentality uh, of Christ to be more like God. You're listening to Absurdity with Ryan Becker, the podcast where we embrace the absurdity of everything. From here, we can move conversations forward by learning how to communicate effectively, listen intently, and love patiently. Welcome to Absurdity. Hey guys, welcome back to Absurdity. My name is Ryan Becker. I'm so glad you are listening. This week, I have Tony back on the cast. Now, his name is not in the episode because at this point, he's been on enough that I count him as kind of a co-host. So he's just going to be on whenever he wants to be on, whenever we can get him on, uh, because I really like dialoguing with him, and I think he adds um, uh, a little extra flair to the episode as we talk in a, in a, a slightly different perspective than my own. And today we're talking about masculinity. So we're going to be talking about masculinity, some of the ways that uh, our modern views of it have, have been dangerous, uh, some of the ways that they've been good. Um, I tend to be on the side of our current views on masculinity are pretty flawed and broken. Uh, and what really kind of I have thought about this for a while, but what really put it back in my eyes was an article in The New York Times that released just after the Parkland shooting. Uh it was called "The Boys Are Not All Right," um, and I I reference it several times in the episode. I'll throw a link to that article in the episode description for you if you want to read it. It's pretty short, sweet to the point, but it's a, a pretty poignant article, and I really enjoyed I really enjoyed it and resonated a lot with it. Now, before I give you the jump over to Tony, I do need to let you know. When we talk about masculinity, when we talk about toxic masculinity, healthy masculinity, all, all of the above, I really want to be clear about one thing, which is I believe that masculinity overall is a good thing. I actually think that uh, both femininity and masculinity are things that need to be embraced more. Uh, I just believe that we need to be more holistic in our approach to them. Um, I think that toxic masculinity has, uh, has created a lot of problems because of the false expectations and standards it puts on men. And uh, causes us to try and live up to these impossible ways um, to express ourselves. So um, you're going to hear a little bit about that, but I do want to just make that clear as we go into the episode. And lastly, uh, once again, for two episodes in a row, I don't know what's going on, and it's really frustrating, but... This time, my audio was the one with the problem. Uh, I kind of sound like I'm talking in a car for the entire episode, so uh, for the entire interview. But uh, hopefully you can deal with it. Hopefully you can you can uh, put up with it and tolerate it. Um, but thank you so much for listening to Absurdity. And without further ado, here is my conversation with Tony Innobley. Tony, thanks for coming back on the podcast. How are you doing today?
0: Man, I'm doing good. It is a a uh, very cold day in Michigan, but it's it's a good one.
1: Are you are you guys on spring break right now?
0: No, we have uh we're a little bit late. Um so our spring break starts next next week, but the nice thing is we get 2 weeks off. Um so it's like, yay. So we got a, a little bit more time in grad school, but yeah, it's we're we're a little bit later.
1: Gotcha. Okay. That makes sense. Um, I was, I just, I have no idea how Andrew's schedule works. So that's cool. It's kind of weird because you would think
0: that it would line up with a lot of the other Adventist schools. Um, and it totally doesn't at, at all. Um, (laughs) I, I don't know why, I don't know if they feel the need to be singular. I mean, I'm starting to like it here, but I'm like, "I, I, I, that's a little
1: odd. Yeah. No kidding. Um, all right. So today, um, We're going to talk about masculinity, which, uh, you know, is always a a good topic to talk about, Um, mainly because it's not talked about at all.
0: Yeah. Farts and butts and stuff. Yeah.
1: Yeah. That's exactly what being a man's all about. You know it. (laughs) Uh, Farts and butts and stuff. Man, if I could name this episode that I just would. Um,
0: (laughs) I, I, I feel like that's actually a good name for like a band. You know, like a cover band for for I don't know some sort of like uh, '90s grunge, some, rock. like farts and butts and stuff, like just this just very ethereal, like nothing matters. Kind of a kind of a
1: cover band. I'm just picturing like early some '41 when you say that. Right, yeah. Yeah. That yeah. Early, early some '41, which isn't grunge. It's like weird, this weird amalgamation of pop punk, but that's fine. Uh, you can also <laughs> still, some that's fire. what I think of. Pearl Jam, like, like
0: Sublime, something.
1: Do you, do you know what a dude bro is? Oh, dude, yeah, bro. Okay, yeah. so so they are they are they are like some early some forty one is like the epitome of a dude bro in my opinion. Like and, and and to those who have no idea what a dude bro is, a dude bro is the exact kind of person you can picture that would say, "Dude, bro." that would start a sentence with the words dude bro. Like it was kind uh,
0: of it was kind of born from like the American pie kind of era of just this like college frat dude bro that can't really express his feelings but has this deep like questions about life and and like who am i? I don't know bro. Like they just try, they just make trivial things really deep and wear caps backwards all the time for no reason. Correct no What's matter what the event is putting sunglasses on inside and then outside on the back of their necks like what are you doing dude come on bro
1: <laughs> there's this awesome picture somewhere we're way off topic it's fine uh it's there's this good. awesome picture on the internet of a dude who, at a baseball game it's a meme at this point who has his hat backwards but he's using his hand to 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 block the sun from his eyes exactly and it's just like, why? Just put your hat on forwards, and problem solved. Man, I
0: wish they would invent some sort of device that could like block the sun. That I could just like wear on top of my hat. That'd be great. Yeah, for real, man. Um, should do that.
1: This is, you know, for as off-topic as this is, this is kind of relevant. So it's, I'm fine with it. It's a good segue. It's kind it's of a relevant. Good segue. Uh, let me so so we've got some issues with masculinity. I, I, I'm just gonna lay that out there so that everyone knows exactly where I'm coming from with this, which is that we've got some some significant issues with the way that we talk about and um the way that we kind of view masculinity, the expectations put on men and otherwise. So this isn't and here's 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 what I wanna make clear because if, if we if we continue on this and I don't wanna paint this one way because the patriarchy is real. Uh, We live in a male-dominated culture. I've even seen many women after International Women's Day talk about how many men took the time to message them and tell them how terrible they were um, on a day where women were supposed to be celebrated. So this isn't trying to paint men as victims necessarily, but there are some real problems with uh, current views on masculinity. And I want to kind of dive into that um, and have a discussion on what maybe... A healthy masculinity looks like so tony let me ask you this i guess as we kind of dive in here how do you currently view your masculinity
0: (laughs) um yeah we're going we're
1: going straight we're uh going straight for the for the heart uh
0: uh-huh uh-huh the jugular that's a good question i think well, it's interesting because, again, you and I, we became friends kind of playing off that idea of masculinity and people's perception of masculinity. Um, I, I think that my masculinity right now, you know, I'm very aware of the fact that I'm a man. I'm very comfortable. I will admit I'm a heterosexual cisgender male. Um, I am, you know, which is a bit redundant, but not uh, at the same time. Um there is no desire for me to uh, not be a guy. Um, at the same time, I also my masculinity to me as a Christian, I think has been put in a different place than secular masculinity or or um, how society views masculinity. So I think that I'm very comfortable with mine. I wear it um, to the point that I can joke about it. Um, I know that I have a lot of friends that. Um, you know, they they can't not only have a conversation about being uh, homosexual or or you know homosexuality or or masculinity as a whole. Um, I should I should you know refrain that and say you know I I don't believe that gay people are not masculine. I think it's a different form of masculinity. Um, but but there's just this this sense of you know my masculinity is tied into my sexuality that to me as a Christian I don't necessarily see. I think it's beyond even that. Um, so that's kind of how my view is. And then to kind of summarize my view of it, I am a man, because God has put in me a certain mentality, responsibility, and uh, physiology. And that is where my man, my manhood comes from him, uh, not from what I am, and because of what he has given me. Um, so it doesn't come from society. It doesn't even come from my own physiology, but rather from what God has given me. So that's that's my masculinity. That's how I view my mass masculinity.
1: Gotcha. No, that makes sense. Um, and actually, we're gonna we're gonna come back to the LGBT thing a little bit later because I actually believe that uh, the LGBTQ plus movement has been really, really good for masculinity. Um, and so we're gonna, but I'm gonna shelf that which means listeners, that's a, that's like a cliffhanger for you to uh, keep listening through. But um, well first, unless, I would, would actually from our, <laughs> our sponsors That don't exist. Unless, that don't exist. You know, insert your name here. Like, you know the billboards, insert your ad right. here. Insert your We're, billboard here. We'll just have
0: a two-minute pause of just dead silence and be like, if you wanted to insert your thing, we can. Anyway, so, sorry, I'm, I'm throwing this yeah, off. No. Go ahead.
1: <laughs> no, I I would actually for the most part agree. I actually I, you know the way that I view mine is is uh kind of as just um a state of being. Um in other words, I don't see masculinity necessarily my masculinity necessarily as defined by uh my actions uh in relation to uh other genders or other sexual identities or gender identities whatever. Um I don't view it kind of in relation to that. I just view it as I am who I am. And um, if I'm a man, then my masculinity is portrayed through me being uh, the, fullest, uh, the fullest version of myself I can be. Um, and that would be masculine for me. But it wasn't always that way for me. Um, and, and, and to be honest, a lot of those kind of old preconceptions and, and assumptions uh, and, and underlying beliefs still rear their head. Um, you know, you talk about, um, you talk about dates, you talk about dating women, you talk about, uh, the, the man's role in the home, uh, in, in a nuclear family, you talk about all these different things. And, and all of a sudden as a man, there's all these expectations heaped on you. And the same is true for women. So like, I'm not, like I said, I'm not trying to like paint men as this victim of all these expectations. Um, what I'm trying to say is this is just how it is. Um, Right or wrong, this is just how it is, and I do think there's some things that are wrong with it, um, because what ends up happening is these these unhealthy expectations put on someone specifically because of their physiology. Because really, I mean, that's the main way we tell someone if someone's a man or a woman is <laughs> kind of by their physiology. But yeah, all the expectations we put on someone because of their role, quote unquote, in society um, tend to be the breeding ground, in my opinion, for a lot of shame. Um because if a man can't live up to those expectations he's got no one to talk to, he's got no one to turn to to actually figure out um what to do next, and you end up feeling like a failure as a man or a failure of a man when you when you don't uh, meet those expectations
0: yeah no i I completely agree I think that that's um you you hit the kind of the nail on the head with that shame idea there's a lot of shame and this of course i think we have to address from a western um americanized mentality this is the only really one we can deal with right now because that's the one we're living in um but i'm also hispanic i know you're part hispanic and um it's a whole other ball game when it comes to other genders uh, Mm -hmm. other um pardon me other cultures um, I know that I was just talking to. Uh, I took a class and they and they talked about in a, a country. Um, I won't mention where, just because I don't want to <laughs> be specific. But it was a a, a foreign country that uh, someone was baptizing a homosexual, an, an active, you know, someone who was who was out there, um, and they wanted to come and and had a conversion experience and want to get baptized. And the elders of the church um, went and killed him because that's he wasn't a man. And just because they were so ashamed, it was like an honor killing in the Middle East. I mean, that's the best way I can describe it is Mm -hmm. is there was so much shame attached with this isn't a real man that they had to go and for the good of the community, quote unquote, do this thing. And it's like, wow, have we come to that point as a society, as a man? So I think we can't address that. That's a whole other thing. I can't talk about that country. I have not lived there. Um, that is not yeah. my culture. But this is my, you know, I'm an American, so we can address it here, because I think that there's similar issues here, maybe not as extreme. But I think that that concept of what it means to be a man is still very uh, in flux here. Uh, what? Yeah, it's very prevalent. Yeah. That's shame associated with it.
1: Absolutely. I mean, I I look at um, and and it it rears itself in in very weird ways. So I'm going to I'm going to tell you something that I've actually really struggled with this week. Um, It happened on Monday or Tuesday. I want to say it was Tuesday. Um, I uh, I was at the gas station. uh, I picked some stuff up. And as I was leaving, this dude waves me out, um, waves at me from the car next to me. And now as a pastor, this has happened to me several times, not because I'm a pastor, but just because I I look for opportunities to do this. If someone weighs me down at a gas station, I'll usually hear out their story. Um, And this dude's story was 100% a scam about home theater systems. And I knew it. Like the second he started talking to me and talked about what he was like, what he was selling, I knew exactly what was going on. And yet somehow over the course of the conversation, and it it was like, I was in a trance. um, I ended up falling for this scam. Um, And I am now the proud owner of a home theater system that has like cheap $2 speakers in it that I spent $300 on of money that I shouldn't have spent. Um, Luckily, it hasn't like completely impacted my bills or anything this month. So I'm okay. but it's still, you know, uh, really frustrating. And there was this moment as soon as it ended. And even now I drive I drove up to that gas station this morning and um, I just look at the spot where he approached me and I'm just so angry at myself. And there's so much kicking uh, myself and I'm afraid to talk about it. Because there's this, um, there's, there's this kind of expectation I feel like um, I can't fall prey to those things um, for whatever reason. And as a man, I feel like I'm supposed to be um, really good with money. I can't fail. I uh, can't mess up. And so when I do mess up, um, there's nowhere to turn right? Like, I feel like anyone I talk to is going to say, um, is going to shame me for it, or is going to is going to add on to the shame that I already feel for having messed up. And I do think a certain amount of shame or guilt is necessary, right? In the Christian experience, it's, it's necessary to experience guilt in order to ask for forgiveness and repent. But to add on to that guilt or to add on to that shame only builds resentment and breeds more shame and the unhealthy version of it. And um, so for me, it was really hard. And so the, it became this way of every time I would share this story, I, I talked with a couple of people about it. I tried to make myself look as good as possible because I was so afraid of the reaction um, because I don't want to be seen as less than a man because I fell for something that I knew better. Um, that's And so there's this weird part of my masculinity that somehow is still wrapped up in the way I handle my finances or the way I do this or the way I do that. And whenever one of those things falls by the wayside, whenever I fail in one of those areas, um, I end up feeling like less of a man and that sh- I don't know that that should be the case. Does that make sense? Like, it, yeah, I don't- no, absolutely.
0: Yeah. It It's how do I say this? Um, the, yeah, the, the good shame, like you were talking about, um, when you do do something that is hurtful to another person, you should feel shame. There should be some shame associated with that because it's not right um what we do is 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 the pain that we cause other people we should feel bad about that but then when it comes to ourselves we oftentimes don't have a internal marker perhaps um that helps us realize oh this is not okay this is not good um i'm i'm putting myself in a place that i don't need to be And as a man, for someone to take advantage of you, all of a sudden you don't feel like a man, which it doesn't make sense in the reverse, right? Like just because someone takes advantage of you, women aren't taken advantage of all the time. That doesn't make any sense. If anything, most of the women I know are much better at saying no than I am. Um, to Absolutely. something like that, be like, oh, thank you, but no, because they're constantly being hit on. They're constantly having to be like, oh, no, I don't want to, you know, go on a date with you, they're, you know, and they're quite good at it. Um, but it's that little ridiculous perception that we have as a society that just it just kind of burrows under your skin. And it's very subtle. I think that's why it's so hard for us to talk about is because it's so such a part of our identity um but it can be good i mean there are good parts about it i just think that we have to be able to to know what those good parts are and and kind of address it
1: so okay so then let's let's kind of let's kind of define our territory then a little bit what do you what do you think are some good parts of our modern views on masculinity
0: um well first i think that uh there is a bond between brothers that I think is awesome. Um and by that I, you know, it is kind of this uh chest thumping, <laughs> you know, uh a jump on a grenade for, you know, the dude broke <laughs> kind of love. Yeah, no, no, no. Yeah.
1: As yeah, much no, as we yeah, make brother, fun yeah. of
0: it, I think there is um that's good. It's good to have that that uh kind of um that need to bond with each other or that ability to bond with each other over, over these things. Um, I think also uh, there is this uh, need to protect and provide. I think that's good. I think there's nothing wrong with that. Um, it's funny because I look on Twitter and, and you'll, you, you often, it, it Twitter puts things in such great perspective in my mind because it polarizes things to the point that you can actually see where true center is more often than not. Um, and so you will see people who are super active about like, not necessarily feminism, but just the idea of equality and like, Hey, if she pays, you know, I had somebody ask me the other day, is it a date if she pays for something? And I'm like, yeah, it's a date if you spend time together uh, romantically, that's a date, you know, who cares who pays for Yeah, it, no, for whatever. Really. But then you'll see the other side where um, it's very much like, Oh, look how he took care of me. He bought me this thing. Like, Oh, he takes care of me. And you definitely see how attractive that is to uh, a, a woman and to really anybody, you know, um, and so that to, to protect and provide, I think is a very awesome biological, physiological, whatever you want to call it, uh, need. And that is positive. It's good. We need protectors. We need providers. Um, it, anyone can be a, a father, anyone can father a child, but it takes a real man to be a dad. That's a, you know, very, very common cliche, but that's the reality is to stay and to protect and to provide, um, to be there in someone's life um, in that way is is a very good thing. Um, now, I wouldn't say that that is exclusively masculine, especially in the West. Um, I believe that fathers can and should be nurturing. I believe that mothers can and should provide to an extent, especially as much as they're able to. Um so I think that it's a partnership, and I think that your weaknesses should, should meld with your partner, but, um, or your, your strengths and weaknesses. You, know, you should be able to make each other better, but at the same time, I also think that um, there's nothing wrong with wanting to protect and provide. So I think that that's a really good, good view of masculinity.
1: Okay, that's fair. Um see now okay, so but then here okay, so here's my follow-up question then to that. Um when you talk about protecting and providing, what if the man isn't the one that protects and provides? Because if we tie that to masculinity then, um are we not saying that if a man doesn't are you not implying that if a man doesn't protect and provide for his family because the wife does or whatever, um does that mean that the man is less masculine? And see that um, if it doesn't if it doesn't, then what how do we how do we reconcile it i guess
0: correct yeah and and that's the the flip side. I think that the bad part of that um is that we think that only the man and i, I would see I would disagree if someone said, oh, okay, so if he does like if the woman's a provider and the man's out of work, does that mean he's not really a man no, no um. I would completely disagree with that. I think it's much more fluid. You can be a nurturing man. You know, I believe the concept of a stay at home dad is, is the same. We're able to have that now and you can be just as masculine in a nurturing fashion Um, because to an extent, nurturing is also providing and protecting it's in a different way, but it's still kind of that same concept. But um, see, to me, I, I, just think that, yes, that's a positive part to protect But it doesn't have to be the only one. And I think that's where we struggle as a society is that we have these very limiting roles. And I think it comes from where in the ancient world – and I'm talking – when I say ancient, I mean pre-Industrial Revolution – the bigger, stronger, quote unquote, species or gender, um, it just made sense for men to go out to war because overall, and this is not always, but overall as a species, we are generally the bigger, stronger ones. Um, it's not all across the animal world or the animal kingdom, but we are are usually bigger, stronger. We are. And so it makes sense to have the man go out um, and be able because I can move a big, heavy stone. I can do those big kind of Ugh! want to move big rock i can do those things much easier does it just makes sense for us to be able to survive and i think that's the difference is that very isolated role and limiting role of masculinity comes from a need for survival and Mm -hmm. we are no longer in that anymore parts of the world still are and i will fully admit if you live in a mostly agricultural society um Yeah, you might have to have those limiting roles because somebody's got to cook the food. You don't have a microwave. Somebody's got to, you know, clean so that the centipedes don't come in and kill you in your sleep. Um, Somebody's got to do all those roles and it makes much more sense for a woman to do those roles because, uh, you know, that's a a much easier role for them to play. They can, there's, it sounds stupid, but they're smaller. They can get into smaller spaces. They can, you know what I mean? They can do that. Um, so you're
1: talking about from a purely logistical and ergonomics. Yeah, yeah.
0: Very pragmatic okay, yeah. way. And that's where it started. Now that's where it started. And I think that it has obviously evolved, but after the industrial revolution, it just became a established sense. It just became this, well, yeah. this is how we've done it forever. And then all of a sudden world war two came up and women were like, well, I can put a rivet in like, it's not that hard. It doesn't require big, strong man as much um and and like i said women aren't always i there are women out there that can kick my tail and i'm a 6'2 240 guy like i am a large man and there are women out there that scare me um and they are not bigger than me but they are much stronger and much tougher than i am and so I, that isn't always to say that the man always is the role but i also dated a girl who was 5 foot 98 pounds i mean she was she was miniature she was almost like a mini human you know and she was wonderful but it just made sense. I can do big, lifty things. Even with my mom. My mom's five two. I can lift things she can't. I can you know she'll be like, Oh, can you carry this box? It's so heavy. And I'll pick it up and I'm like, Are you crazy, mom? Like, this is nothing. But it's just because I'm bigger than her. And the problem is that we've associated our identity with our ability to do things where we're in a society where that's not necessarily true anymore.
1: So then Okay, so then what I kind of hear you saying, and, and and mixing that with the fact that we are in a society, Western culture-wise, that doesn't largely have to do those things anymore, um, it sounds like then a, a, a more healthy view of masculinity would then be um, doing whatever needs to be done. Um, and 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 for me, um, when I talk about good parts of masculinity or good views on it, I I do think the sense of personal responsibility on men to get things done do things. Um I think that's incredibly important, the self motivation, the discipline, um all of those things. And I think those are good across the board, but there is there is definitely some of that tied to masculinity. Um but it seems like that's because so all right, let me try and wrap this wrap this in a way that makes sense because at the moment I'm sort of rambling. But wait, you you doing uh, a rap? Yeah, I'm doing a rap. Yes. Uh, but I'm not going but I'm not a rap but I'm not a rapper. Um but I'm not a rapper. So when we talk about um, protecting, we talk about providing, um, we talk about all these things, we're putting, to me, the critique that I have or the issue I have with it is that we're still tying masculinity to very specific roles instead of broad principles. Um, Whereas if I talk about doing what needs to be done, that's broad enough that in my household, if I'm the one that needs to cook and clean because someone else is gone, or if I'm the one that needs to do this because, um, because the mother needs to do this, or the wife is more capable of doing this, or if I'm on my own and need to take care of something because there's no one else to do it, um, then I need to be able to step into that role and do it confidently. Whereas if I say that my masculinity is tied to protecting and providing, then in the moment I can't do that, I somehow have to rationalize my masculinity a different way. So it's not as fluid anymore. Does that make sense? No, I, I absolutely um, agree. Yeah. So that that's kind of where I struggle with this is is the is the tying it to very specific um parameters and actions and behaviors instead of broader principles. Um but I I if if you disagree or I, I so I'm not saying you're wrong, I'm just wondering if we can if we can this is ironic. Uh, more specifically, talk about broader principles.
0: <laughs> no, and and I agree with you on that. I think that's kind of where I was going with that concept. Uh, that concept of providing and protecting is positive, but where it gets bad is when it gets when we only tie that. And I think we do need to get some broader principles. Again, that my masculinity doesn't come from a specific role; it comes from to me as a Christian from God, and those are very basic principles. Um, God he's his his idea of a man is is very broad it's very broad and it's perfect because uh that concept those concepts can be applied multiculturally over over a yeah. broad spectrum of cultures yeah
1: for sure um so one of the ways okay so i want to give an example i think of, of some of this broader stuff moving into more specific stuff um let me just say this about 90% of what I'm about to say, um, actually 100% of what I'm about to say because I'm talking about it, has to do with men around children. Um, but in general, a lot of our masculinity is affected by this one area of life. Um, and a lot of men don't experience it until they are a father. And um, uh, there's this is this is the specific area I'm talking about. If I'm a father and I want to take my kid to the playground, um, this is something I've seen a lot. Now, I'm not a father. I don't have kids. I have a dog. i not the same. but I I've, I've heard this experience over and over and over again. It's almost guaranteed that if you're a father that takes your kid to the playground, you're going to, you're going to be told or said, so the wife put you on babysitting duty. Um, and it's really interesting to me that we, we say or we equate the role of, of when men are being good fathers, we're telling them that they're nothing more than a babysitter and that the real parenting is done by the mother. When, in my opinion, um, I think that real parenting is done in partnership. Now, if there is no partner and there is only the man or only the, the mother, then sure. All right. Yeah, then you are the one that has to carry all that weight. But it is incredibly frustrating to me to see it happen with single fathers that we they go up and they, they go to a a... a um, a playground and, and the kids are stolen away. Like the kids are, are led away from any man that's playing with their kid on the playground and things like that. And we've, we've so romanticized the idea of a stranger coming after your kids when most studies have shown that it's always someone who knows your kids. Well, not always, but a lot of the time, it's someone who knows your kids who, who does, uh, who do terrible things to them like uncles or relatives or close family, friends, whatever teachers, uh, even pastors, um, that has been youth pastors. Uh, it's been a significant issue. Um, so, and what ends up happening is then we've, we've said, men, you're, you're relegated to a babysitter position in the home. If the wife isn't with, if the mother isn't with the kid. Um, and that does hurt like that hurts a ton. <laughs> uh, I don't, I'm not looking forward to that. Of course. Yeah, no.
0: And I think beyond that, even the whole concept of showing affection, I think, uh, for a large part has been shamed. Um, And put, and that is not, that's not how it's been. Um, If you look at ancient societies, um, fathers were very affectionate with their children. Um, Even Germans, and this is what's interesting, Germans have this uh, stigma (laughs) uh, about them as being very cold, distant people, um, very calculating people. And while that is true to an extent, not everywhere, um, they are very affectionate with kids. And this was interesting. We had a professor at Southern together that is a very, like, dry guy. Like, he's very, you know, Prussian, you know, that Teutonic knight, you know, kind of – he would tell a joke and you couldn't tell because his face did not change at all. Um, and yet I was asking about that and I go, you know, does this – you know, does the concept go – you know, he's – because he was so affectionate with his boys. You know, he was so, like, very mm-hmm. – um, he he, they, he could tell they were very loved, and not in an inappropriate way, but in a very close, um, intimate way. You know, he would hug them. He would you know pat their heads. He would uh, you know uh, you know if he needed to talk to them, he got down at their level, and he you know he would he would touch their shoulders and you know, it was a way of expressing, you know, that, that closeness, that intimacy. And I thought that's so weird because, you know, this society is known for being so cold. And he goes, this is, it's always been this way. we never stopped being this way, even, you know, way back in ancient times, you know, this has always been, you know, our, our children are affectionate. Um, Africa, Asia, you know, all these different places, you're allowed to be affectionate. And I think it's interesting that in the West, We have put this stigma of shame. And of course, you have to be very careful showing affection. I agree. Um, But even even recently, I was just just hit me right now. Like David Beckham, I remember reading um, a little while ago, got got it not necessarily in trouble, but there was a lot of backlash because he posted this picture of him kissing his daughter on the lips. And it's like, okay, maybe that's a little weird for for the what? But. He loves his daughter you know, and obviously, yes, we have to be careful that can, and, and this could come back and bite me if it turns out, you know, he is doing inappropriate things. But to me, I go, the fact that he posted that shouldn't have brought the amount of shame it did, because as men, that idea of being affectionate to our children is so huge. I mean, ask any developmental psychologist, um, to be able to show affection is just so huge for the mental health of either child male or female um to be to be loved and to know that is is a huge huge factor and and it's missing from a lot of a lot of society a lot of society you can talk about across the gender across the the uh culture spectrum across uh the um you know race spectrum you know white that's Asian dad, you know, there's this, this withholding of affection um, or this inability to express affection. You know, I pay for your meals. That's how I loved you. Um, my dad even experienced that with his dad. You know, um, I remember my dad and I, we, we, we talk a lot. We have very deep, intimate conversations. And one time he goes, you know, I just want you to know the reason why I do this. The reason why, you know, oftentimes it's bonding around food because we're Italian. Um, and <laughs> So he goes, the reason why we do this, the reason why I take you out on this is because I never got this from my father. Um, you know, he had one conversation with his dad, which was essentially just, a, you know, basically the phrase, you're old enough now to see it's not all, you know, my fault. You know, um,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and I, it, he never got that affection from his dad. And so because of that, um, you know, he wanted to express that with me. And and it's just a horrible it's horrible to see that same thing, you know, that oh well you're just I guess you're babysitting. No, I'm being a dad. I'm being there. Um a huge thing that developmental psychologists and I wish that I had had done a little more research, but feel free to research this on your own. Um, but uh, you know, a huge part of being a dad is being there for significant moments. Mm-hmm. Um not simply being just a provider. And that's interesting because the if the baseline, shall we say, for being a dad is providing, giving, you know, kind of that that uh uh what was this uh the psychologist at uh, the the self actualization, what was his name? Um
1: Oh, man, I can't remember. Anyway, that guy,
0: you know, the the very baseline is providing that safety, right? Like you have something to eat, you have a place to keep you dry and warm. Um, If that's the baseline, then the top of that is significant moments, allowing that child, you know, being there for uh, recitals, graduations, ball games. You know, my dad was my coach um, and and, uh, you know, that's huge. And of course, we had like eight coaches, you know, because it was T-ball, but. The point is that, you know, he, he was, was there. there for those significant moments. Now, uh, he was not a perfect dad. And I'm, you know, even now I'm going through a lot of the damage that, you know, you just you have to deal with as a as a child because of perception. And, and um, you know, he he was not raised in a perfect way. But I know that he was there for those significant moments. And again, that's such a huge part of being a dad that we relegate to. Eh, Oh, I guess you're a, I guess you're just a, you're a babysitter today. It's like, no, I'm bonding with my kid. That, that's I what think, it means to be a man.
1: Yeah. I, I, I think that the most dangerous part of our modern views on masculinity, and I, I'm glad that they're changing, right? I'm glad this is a discussion that's happening though. I need, think it needs to happen more. Um, but I think the most dangerous thing is that um, it really does prevent men from experiencing the full, what it means fully to be a human. Um you look at um, you look at emotions like we were made to feel. Feelings weren't meant to drive all of our decision-making, but they certainly do to some extent. And when you're told that feeling and emotions are weakness, um, and as a man, you can't be vulnerable because you can't be transparent, you can't be authentic or genuine because you're showing weakness. And that's really frustrating to me because there are certain things. My dad was very, very stoic. Um, you know, I though I never heard him say the words, I love you, I, you know, to my ears, I I always knew it. um, But knowing it still isn't the same. Uh, And there are certain things that I cannot share publicly. Uh, There are certain things that I wish he had talked to me about and just been open with his experience that I learned far too late about him. Um, That if he had just sat down and talked with me and opened up about the the things that he was struggling with and facing, um, I wonder if I would have avoided those same things because of that connection with him. But there is this standard of masculinity that says you have to be a certain way. You have to be stoic. Um at his funeral, I felt like I wasn't allowed to cry. Um I felt like I had to be strong and be this and that my mom and my sister were the ones that were allowed to, to cry and everyone else was, but not me. And so I didn't. Um in 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 school, if I if there were moments where I'd have to cry over missing him, um, I would be I would excuse myself to the bathroom and dip out. Now granted I don't want to cry in class period because it's disruptive, but in general I felt like I had to, to hide the emotion. You have to bury it and hide it and get back to class or get back to whatever you're doing, and you better not let that emotion, that affection, or that vulnerability um show because others cannot know that you are you are human. They have to know that you're a man. Um and, and it is dangerous because I, I I think it breeds so much shame. I think it breeds so much anger, bitterment, resentment. I think it breeds addiction. I think it breeds all of these things because we've shoved them. We've shoved it so far down. We're not allowed to talk about it. And shame always grows. Addiction always grows. Loneliness always grows in darkness and in spaces that you cannot talk about. And so I just I find it so dangerous, uh, this idea that you cannot show emotion. You can't talk about how you feel because that means that you're weak
0: and and I'll even throw a a higher one in there. I think we as a Christian mainline and uh, mainline not so much, but definitely the evangelical um community and and definitely the fundamentalist community. Um we have created this perception, and I'll just say it, you know, part of the reason why and I've mentioned this before, I think even on this podcast. Um I don't really listen to Uh, Christian pop. And part of the reason is because I think there's a a vague sense of inauthenticity to it, because if it's not positive, encouraging, it's not Christian. Why should we ever (laughs) not feel good? Jesus is in our hearts. And I'm not saying that we shouldn't be positive most of the time. I'm not saying that, that there isn't joy, but being able to mourn. I mean, that's in the Beatitudes. That's in the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus doesn't just say, you know, blessed are those who are always happy. That isn't mentioned at all. He goes, blessed are those who mourn. Because to mourn, to feel. I I can't think of another man who was more masculine than Jesus. And he cried multiple times to the point that John highlighted it, you know, 1135, right? Jesus wept he put that in there it's important and i think part of the reason why he put it in there is because he knew we'd be having this conversation someday you know um and you look at all the language that john uses as a christian we often talk about um hiding away our true feelings we can't mourn we can't acknowledge defeat or or failure um because uh, we have to be happy positive and encouraging all the time and the struggle with that is that it, it it creates a, a – a how do I say this? It creates a intellectual relationship between being a man and not ex- expressing emotion and being a Christian and only expressing – so not only am I not allowed to express emotion, but I am only allowed these outlets because to do so would not only invalidate me as a man, but it would invalidate my Christian experience and now put my – you know, in a weird way, put my salvation, how, am I really a Christian? Is Jesus really in my heart? If I feel sad and, and that Mm -hmm. question all of a sudden pops up, um, which I think is again, ridiculous, but it's there, which is why I think it's so great that conversations are starting now um, that have kind of brought that up. And I think a big part of that's been, you know, uh, this, this equality movement for women, you know, I think that's starting a lot of conversations.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, y- you know, what What really got me thinking about all of this um, was an article that was written in the New York Times just a couple of weeks ago after the Parkland shooting, uh, after the the Marjorie Donis, uh, Douglas Stoneman shooting um, by Michael Ian Black. It was in the opinion section. It's called The Boys Are Not All Right. And I'll have it in the episode description. But but he talks about how this kind of how boys are broken. Um And he's not doing it in a derogatory way, but he's basically saying that this cycle of mass of toxic masculinity um, is creating repressed anger um, that, and, 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 and that repressed anger reveals itself through violence. Um, And, and he kind of implies that along the way, but this is, this is the danger to me because, so I want to connect kind of both toxic views of masculinity that I've just talked about. So there's, there's the, there's the man being a good father and being ridiculed as a babysitter and then there's men showing emotion. Um, so when a man is being a good father and it's, and it happens to be in public and he's called the baby, he's called the babysitter. All right, cool. That means that, Hey, honey, I don't really want to go anymore. Uh, I, I don't want to be there anymore. You should go, you should take the kid to uh, you should take the kid to the park, or you should take the kid to the playground uh, because I don't want to do it. I don't want to be ridiculed anymore, whatever. So now um, because of that ridicule, because of that shame that I experienced, I, I retreat further. There's now space between me and my kid. And if my kid is a man, if my kid is a boy, right, um, that space will then breed less or it will it will um, create less opportunity to breed a positive relationship for me to show him how to emote, how to be affectionate or how to experience emotions and be fully human um, as a man. And so then all of a sudden, if he sees that I can't be there or I can't do these things or I'm not willing to do these things, then it breeds a cycle. And it breeds it breeds a constant, constant cycle where now my son who looks to me as this model of masculinity, whatever I do, he's going to want to do um, in the same way that because my dad was stoic, I felt I needed to be stoic and um, I felt I needed to have a poker face on at all times. And so there's this there's this constant cyclical um, issue of of men being shamed or men feeling and experiencing shame and not passing those feelings or or not, not being honest about those feelings or being put in an environment where they can actually address those feelings uh, and, and address that shame, then their kids feel the same thing. And because they've never had it modeled on how to express that shame, express those feelings. Now they bury it and it becomes, it just keeps going and it keeps going and it keeps going. And so I, I, the cycle has to stop somewhere and someone has to I hate to say this someone has to man up. <laughs> uh I and it's, it's a terrible uh, phrase but someone has to has to be brave enough or courageous enough to deal with their shame um when they haven't been taught how. Um and that that's that's incredibly difficult. Like I don't I don't fault anyone for for wrestling with that difficulty. What do you think?
0: No, I agree with you. Um you know it's interesting you, you mentioned the man up part um, you know, to be a man is not a zero-sum game. Um, and I think we need to stop that idea of man up and woman up. Yeah. You know, it, It's both. Um, I see no problem in someone, you know, like you saying, man up, as long as there's an understanding that sometimes you got a woman up, you know, um, for women, as women, not as a man. As a man, you need a man up and do what needs to be done. As a woman, you need a woman up and do what needs to be done. Um, And that takes on very different, very different paths. Um, But I think we're okay with that. And I think as millennials, I think we're much more accepting of that. Um, And I think that's good. I think those conversations need to happen because... You know, it, it's not just toxic, but, you know, God is often viewed as a man, and he's not. He's both. God exhibits both full masculinity and full femininity. Um, and so when there we... There are times where he's called, he's He's described as a mother and yeah. as a woman. Like I had an Instagram yeah. post, and it mentioned, you know, the father. And I had one of my friends who is a, a artsy-fartsy, you know, hippie. Well, where's the mother that nurtures and everything? And I didn't comment back because I I, I don't respond back to trolls unless I'm having fun with them. Um, but I wanted to message her back and be like, is that a legit question? Because I can answer that because the Bible itself has these moments where God's like, no, no, no. I want to mother you. i want to bring you in like a hen and a chicken. Like, I want to be your mother. He is both mother and father. However, he was in a, a patriarchal society that couldn't understand if he just said mother, they wouldn't have gotten it. There can't be, there couldn't have been a single woman. Um, and so that's the, the order that he used. And then also understanding, you know, with, um, you know, with being a man, um, we have to question who we are ourselves and understand our identity, apart and connected to our masculinity who i am is man regardless of what it looks like to be a man does that make sense um yeah. and we have to be able to do that uh i i, I, I think that society's in a better place to be able to accept that now but we need to be able to have the conversation because you know you have you have if if a man gets to a point and this is why it's so dangerous okay uh let's say that there's a dad of a young 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 you know couple uh they have two kids you know maybe three kids and for some reason that man loses his job now all of a sudden he doesn't feel much like a man because he can't provide and the wife has to provide and now his he feels emasculated because he Mm -hmm. is not a man man up and do these things and now he's he's uh sexually emasculated uh because he's in, unable to provide for his wife, therefore he doesn't want he feels the shame and, and doesn't want to provide for her uh sexual he begins to withdraw emotionally. Um uh for quite a few uh they, they turn to uh substance abuse uh because of that uh they become depressed because of that they're unable to be a father because of that and quite a few men end up uh, taking, you know, the only way out that they see, which which is suicide, because they are emasculated, because th- there's only one way to be a man, and since I cannot fulfill that specific role, I can't be a man, and that's the danger. That's where the danger yeah. is. There's nothing quote unquote wrong with it. There is wrong within the sense of you know the need to overpower and that's not okay but there's nothing wrong with having certain roles of being a man unless you think that is the only way to do it who you are is not is is separate and connected to who you are as a man but it's the other way around i'm a man because i am tony and so th- i have to be able to understand that and and the problem is we don't talk about that you know
1: yeah I think, I think if we could, if we could, if we could flip it back into, you know, being a man is doing what needs to be done. And if what needs to be done is, and I think that's being human. Like, to be honest, I just think it's being human. Um, it really but, is. You know, to, you know if, if, if it comes to the point that I have to stop providing for my family because someone else has to for illness reasons, disability, whatever. I find that me being a man is stepping into whatever role I need to as fully as possible, embracing it and doing the best I can. Um, that, that's being a man. But when we tie it to the providing, the protecting or whatever, you know, we if we tie it to some of these things and that's not a criticism of what you've brought up, I tend to agree with you, to be honest. Um, I just want to speak more broadly, I guess. Um, yeah, of course. I, of course. Um, you know, when we tie it to those things then when we can't do those things, suddenly our entire identity is destroyed because our identity is put in what we do instead of who we are. Um, and, and in the Christian worldview, I'd add a step further in saying in whose we are. Um, and I know that's the cheesy way of saying it, but yeah, we belong to Christ. Um, and so there is a, um, there, that, that should impact our identity significantly. Um, but I want to, I want to shift forward just a little bit here. Um, this article brought it up to the article I mentioned earlier, but I, I, and so it got me thinking about it, but you know, for the last, for, for, I honestly, for as long as history has been going. But really, in the last 50 years, we've seen this huge rise in the conversations and movements for equality for women. And what that's caused is a large conversation across the board about the role of women in relation to men, the role of women just independently, um, the value of women in society, all these things. Um, And it's caused all of society to have to take another look at what it means to be a woman and what roles are fulfilled by a woman. Which is why we have equality being pursued, which is awesome, and I'm fully on board with that. The thing is, because men have always fulfilled their role and done whatever, and that role largely has been one of power and authority, um, we haven't have to ha- we haven't had to have had that that conversation about our roles. Um, so, do you think, um, or how? Not even do you think. How do you think? men could benefit from having that similar conversation and what ways could we do it without being a power grab because in all honesty men need to be setting aside some power at this point so um how do we have the similar conversation without needing the movement side uh for equality because that is that's a completely different realm
0: well i'm going to i'm going to take it to a place that to me is a little bit different i i i don't trust secular society to be able to define that well um okay so for me i have to go to the bible for that I have to look at what what does the Bible say about that? And it's very hard for people to disassociate culture from the Bible. And I will admit that there has been a lot of misinterpretation of what it means to be a man. Because we have taken our current understanding of what that means and applied it to the Bible. And that is unfortunate in my mind. So for me, what it means to be a man, it means that you are the person who leads their family to Jesus, to God, to the cross. That's what that means. That can take so many different roles. Um, and like you said, it, it's a broad thing. Um, when when Paul talks a lot about being the priest of a household and, and all the roles that that is— understand it's not an authority uh the priest was the one who went and knelt before god first
1: um yeah if anything the priest submitted first the priest was the first <laughs> in to that submit. respect
0: the priest was the first yeah. to 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 give up power and as an example say that god is my provider god is the one in fact what's interesting about this and this is what's interesting the Levites, the ones who were the priests, if you actually read through, they had no property. They had no way of raising income. They were provided for completely by God. Now, God set up roles for the other tribes to provide for the priests, and so he, you know, he set that up. But they were just essentially supposed to rely completely on God for sustenance. For, for providing for food, and all of that was supposed to come from God. And what's interesting, if we have taken that idea and concept, we flipped it on its head to where to be a priest means I control authority and I can order you to do these things, or, or I do that, rather than as an example of how to submit to God. To me, that's where that conversation needs to start. Mm-hmm. how can i be the example of how to submit to god and show my family show my wife show them how to con- how to quickly and consistently fall on their knees before their their savior and turn to yeah. him first that's what it means to be a man and that's where again my masculinity and my view of that comes from, is how quickly do I turn to God and and learning how to do that is how I become the best man. And by the way, that's also the best way to do it as a woman. Those will take a different paths um, because I think that I think that the role of the woman, um, the woman, the role of women um, is as a is the the counterpoint to that in a sense where they are the the mirrored example um so what they are doing what the man is doing is how what the woman does but to God as a partner mm-hmm. and now we together as a partner are now showing our family and society how two can become one and submit not to not as a a, a power struggle but as a as we're submitting to God, we're submitting to each other together. And when you really read the scripture, that's what comes out. And and again, I I would submit to all of our listeners: read okay. the scriptures for yourself. Really read through what Tim what what Paul says, and don't just read the hot points where he's like this and that. Read through where he talks about you know a, a man, the husband, is not in control of his body; the wife is. The woman is not in control of her body; the husband is read those go through those understand that read through the song of solomon what is what does solomon say the man who had a thousand wives right what does he say about masculinity what does he say about sexuality Mm. look at that because it is a very different view from what we have the problem is we want to take a lot of broken masculinity and apply it to us right david was not a good man david was not a good father right? He did not example in his later years, in his first years. Yeah, he did. He stood up, but notice his greatest battles, the ones where he truly showed that he was a man of God is when he completely submitted over to God. Yeah. He stood up and killed the giant, but that wasn't him. It was that he was willing to completely submit himself to God first. And by the way, David was a long haired poet. Who wrote a bunch of fruity songs you know david reminds me much more of kurt cobain than uh, you know arnold schwarzenegger or you know jason statham he's much more of this you know kind of uh uh, broody teenager kind of angsty you know not your not your prototypical quote-unquote masculine man and yet he was a soldier almost first and foremost and so you know look at what that actually means um and to me that's where that's where we have to go in our conversations. Is that gonna no. reflect in society? I don't know. I hope it does, but to me as an Adventist and as a Christian, more importantly, I have to look at Christ as my example to be a man. Um I have to look at, you know, uh uh what the what what does the Bible tell me about being a truly successful man, about being a truly uh strong um, uh, fulfilled man of God. And, and to me, that's where our conversation needs to go. In my opinion.
1: No, that's fair. I, you know, I, I, uh, one of my favorite privileges as a uh, single never married pastor is to talk about on Valentine's day, love and marriage uh, yeah, in my yeah. churches. And so I, uh, this, this year I preached on the purpose of submission and basically um, talked about Ephesians five talked about where Paul says, women submit, Men, love your wives like Christ loved the church. Um, I talked about the fact that, that 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 passage devotes nine verses to talking about men and only four to talking about women. So maybe we need to talk to men more <laughs> um, as a result. But um, and basically what I talked about was, all right, so if a man is loving like Christ, then a woman has no problem submitting to that because with the way that Christ loved, ironically, was submitting. Read Philippians two, gave up his position in right to be God in order to become fully human. And in John ten ten, he says, "I came that they may have life and have it abundantly." And so, there is um uh the, or John ten, not Gen ten ten, but around there. Um, so there's this there's this idea of the purpose of submission was is so that the other party can have life abundantly. It's so that you're creating an environment where the other can have life abundantly. And um, so submission was this ultimate act of setting aside your own interests, your own desires, in order to create a successful environment for someone else. Um, and I do believe that that is the role of submission in the home: is that both are loving each other and submitting to each other in order to create a an, a, 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 an environment of success and celebration of each other. And so I look at that, um, and the role of and, and in the role of masculinity. That means that whatever I can do, I whatever I'm able to do, and I'm and I'm doing. Um, should be celebrated and 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 loved and respected in the same way that whatever a woman can do should be celebrated, loved, and respected. Um, and and I believe that that's really important to understand and and and, and to work through. Um, every couple has to work through it differently because every couple looks differently. And here's where here's where the LGBT come back in because I, I brought that cliffhanger up earlier. This is perhaps my favorite thing that the LGBTQ community has done um, for gender roles. And that is that they've shattered them. (laughs) Um, they, they, they have done what, um, what the nuclear family and what Christians have honestly failed to do for centuries. Um, and, and there are many that are Christians, so that's not meant that they don't overlap, that there's no concentric or Venn diagram there. But, um, which is this, um, when you grew up, uh, the, you know, a man acting effeminate, uh, was not Okay. Um, but but what we 've seen is with the the normalization of lgbtq and it 's not normalized yet, but with with the with the with the with the, uh, the prominence the rising prominence of it we 've seen a a completely a complete destruction of the traditional gender uh expectations, and I love that. Um, I used to wrestle with it a lot because uh, I had this broken idea of what masculinity was, but it 's taken a lot of. Uh, It's taken friendships and conversations with people who are LGBTQ plus to understand that experiencing the full range of my emotions and the full range of who I am and those shameful, dark parts of my life that I, you know, that I had to wrestle with um, because they've had to wrestle with that. Um, And for many of them, their very identity, their very sexual identity was that darkest part that they had to wrestle with. Um, And wrestling with that actually enables me to be more fully who I am, not less of who I am. And so I'm really excited that that movement's happening whether or not I agree with it theologically i it not the point here um I am thankful for it because they are teaching us um, they are teaching us uh, a difference about genders that i a different way of living that I think is incredibly valuable and important for us to understand and embrace uh, to some extent uh, I don't know if you agree with that disagree with that but that's why i that's why i'm i, I I talk about it so much, and I try to. I, I I try to really understand it because I really do have a lot to thank LGBTQ plus people for in that area.
0: Yeah, I think it's always good to question, and and I think that's what they've they've really done well. Is now we're we're having to have a conversation about it. Um, it's interesting because one of the big complaints about you know gay marriage, and and again, regardless of where your politics stand on that, one of the big complaints people had is, well, well, how am I supposed to explain this to my kids? And I go. Shouldn't you be explaining that anyway? Shouldn't that be a conversation you're having anyway? Um, it, it's like talking to your kids about that is a negative thing. Like, how, why should, it's like, no, you should be having it You should be questioning what does it mean to be a man? And however you come up with that, as long as it's a, a, a something that's going to bring you closer to God. I think we all have to have that personal understanding. And that's a very Adventist thing for me to say, uh, because we don't really have, we don't really have a creed. Um, So, so we're very, we tend to be more individualistic in that sense, Mm -hmm. um, which is, which is why millennials yay. But um, I think, I think (laughs) definitely, definitely it, 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 we should be talking about it and and I think that's a positive thing the Discussion is never bad. real discussion is never bad because if nothing else, it either reaffirms how you previously felt about it or it opens your mind to to something new, and neither of those are bad things um, you know and and you might have yeah. to it's hard for sure. Because now all of a sudden, well, everything that I considered to be solid ground, I now have to like, oh, shoot, I got to think about this. And we don't want to think as a society. I mean, that's what I'm finding out more and more and more. Um, I, I'm a deep thinker. I will fully admit that. Like I take something and I run with it. And sometimes I get distracted to the point that I'm like, oh, it's been, you know, 20, 30 minutes and I've just been sitting here thinking. Um, a lot of people don't do that. A lot of people we we don't do that about these things we'll think long and hard about uh what we're allowed to think about medicine, science, whatever, but we don't really mm-hmm. think long and hard about our identity we don't think really long and hard about what it you know what it means like we just we just kind of want to be told like do this um yeah, in spiritual things, in cultural things in society um you know, I had a friend a very good friend growing up and she was gorgeous and beautiful and i was in love with her um and i knew that we would never be an item because her parents um wouldn't even be open to the idea of her dating someone outside of their uh specific uh background you know Mm. um which was crazy to me because a she was so americanized it was like she's not even really from there anymore um but the other part to me was like, wow, why would you close yourself off? Like, why would you not even be open to that? Um, because, you know, it, it, I just couldn't even understand that. And yet the reality is they never—they wouldn't even talk about it. Like it was never even a conversation. And so to me, I think that you really do lose something. Like you were saying, you're not fully able to experience all of that. And and I think a big part of the conversation needs to involve women. Um I think women need to build up and support men not in the sense that oh we need to give them power not at all not at all because the reality is men don't want a people in power do not want to give up power because they are afraid that that will be then turned against them when they are given support and loved is when they are is when they feel more open to relinquishing that power um you especially think about kings right Uh, the open and loving king is able to share his wealth and power with the people because he knows that he is loved but if that power would ever you know if if the crowds were to turn all of a sudden that same wonderful king could turn into a dictator real quick and and the reverse is also true um, you yeah. know, not always, I think absolute power corrupts. Absolutely. So I don't think Stalin was ever going to be, you know, Mr. Happy, nice grandpa. Um, but I think that there are quite a few people that have this, they, they, they put up these power grabs, um, because I have to make sure that I'm going to be okay. And once they are supported and loved, well, they're able to relinquish that power. Um, so I think that women have to be yeah. a huge part in, in helping that out. Uh, don't, don't emasculate guys. Don't put a guy down for having emotion. Don't um add to the shame that he's experiencing. Support him in those ways. When he comes in and says, I don't want to I don't want to do this, I don't want to try this, this isn't manly, you know, um don't, don't shame him in that, you know, say, okay, well, but keep trying, you know, be, be a man. I'm reminded of this comedian who does this bit where, you know, his, his daughter's going off to school for the first time. And the the wife is like, you know, give her fatherly advice. He's like, I don't know how to do. She's like, get in there and be the dad she needs, you know? And he, he gives her Mm. end up, you know, ends up giving her some very funny and very, you know, not, not very helpful advice. But I remember that thought being like, no, that's exactly it. That's what a woman needs to do. Not shame, but rather, support and give and be like hey you know call to task and say this is what it means to be a man this is this yeah Yeah. come on like get in there you know do do what needs to be done kind of to use your phrase um you know be the be the example um you know be the the man that we need and to do so in a loving supportive fashion uh, is the biggest thing. Uh, too many times I see on all sides of the spectrum, but definitely, um, I see in, in certain parts of our culture and, and Twitter again is great on this, but you will see any again, emotion or, uh, you know, and I don't want to get too, too weird in the sexual realm, but, but even the idea of, you know, providing, you know, pleasure to your, your partner, um, it's viewed as a a very emasculating thing and a dominant. So the woman's dominating the guy. And it's like, no, this is to be a man means to do what needs to be done. You know, I'd love that phrase now. Now I can't get that out of my head. (laughs) Um, But that's, it's that same thing of I'm going to be there. I'm going to be a man for you. I'm going to be a husband for you. I'm going to be a father for you and to support that and not shame that i think is huge i think that's yeah. that that needs to happen and women are a huge part of that because honestly guys are <laughs> as weird as this sounds we are way more vulnerable with each other than we are with our our female we are we are
1: in many cases yeah i would we agree we will
0: go we will go away and we don't talk about this but we will go aside, and if we see a dude crying, we we will actually support him, and be like, "It's okay, man. Let it up, bro. You know the dude, bro. We kind of joke about the dude, bro. But that's all of us the, are the dude, bro, to some extent. To some extent, we all have the dude, bro, inside us. But they will form a support group, right? You know, when a when a veteran, you know, it, it mm-hmm. struggles and, and breaks down. Watch mm-hmm. how the other men, um you know, his brothers in arms surround him and support him. Right? Yeah. He can't do that in front of his woman. Right? So he goes where to the bar with the boys, so he can express his emotion. And, yeah, women, if we can be vulnerable in front of our women and have legitimate real conversations, and I will fully admit, I you know, again, I've been single for 10 years, but almost 10 years, but I've always been very open and vulnerable with my uh partners and and you know um people that i've been interested in and i think that it's a very a lot of times it's a shock or a lot of times i say oh it's so refreshing but i go it shouldn't be and i'm not saying i've got it all together at all but you should be able to express that affection and and open and vulnerable and honest um because I think that that it, it just it's so much yeah. healthier. But you, women need to be a man needs to be able to feel safe enough to do that. And if they feel supported and safe, they will then open up.
1: Yep, uh, Brene Brown said something years ago. And oh, she's a message I heard. Oh my goodness, she's I love so Brene good. Brown. Let's not awesome. even. I love I love that woman. Um, but she did. She mentioned something, and I don't remember all the context of it. But she basically said that the greatest source of shame for men is women. Um. And I would actually, I would actually also give the, the, the opposite of that, the flip side of it, which is the greatest source of kind of success for men would also be women then. Um, because there's so much of us that like the guys perform more, they want to do the, the, you know, all the, all the stuff you did in middle school and in high school to try and impress women, all the stuff we do now, all the peacocking that happens in order to impress women. Right. Um, there's so many stories of things that we've done to try and impress a woman. um, and uh and oftentimes the women don't even know that they're shaming us for whatever reason and that is because of pre um pre mis or, or, or preconceptions that we have that exist the women may not even know exist um which is why I bring it up now so i think i think that women can definitely help and be a part of facilitating healthier masculinity by encouraging and celebrating um their um their partner and their man absolutely, um, and the men and the men in their lives period, so even if you 're not in a relationship or in a marriage, you can celebrate the men in your lives, and I think the same goes for men to women, um and I think that helps celebrate a healthier or or, or, or or um facilitate healthier femininity as well, so I think it works both ways here um but I really you know I think for men to be able to embrace a more holistic view of of masculinity, I think the most important thing for us is to decouple it uh, is to decouple it from relationship uh, to decouple it from having to be expressed through mating or through a woman um, as best as we can. I think there's always going to be some part of us that's wired that way. That's fine. But I don't want the totality of our masculinity to be defined by how well we can pick up a girl, by how well we can provide for a girl or by how well um, we can get or how good we are in a relationship. I think masculinity is much more holistic than just your expression through a relationship especially since not everyone is in a relationship so there has to be some outlet for masculinity there has to be some facets of masculinity that exist outside of the confines of a loving or romantic relationship so I think I think we can embrace a more holistic view by decoupling it um, from singularly being expressed through a romantic relationship Um, so yeah I uh, I think that's a good ending point. Yeah, no, I think, I think that's a good ending point. Um, so Tony, let me ask you this as we kind of round out here. Um, do you have any final thoughts, anything you want to add to this conversation before we close out?
0: Um, you know, I do. Um, it kind of goes along with what you were saying that idea of holistic. When I, when you asked me what my, um, what my, where my masculinity comes from, um, I said it comes from God. And to me, I think a huge part uh, of that is really what, what Paul says here. Um, and I'm looking for the actual verse. And I, can't, I can't remember where it actually is, but he says this. He goes, imitate me as I imitate Christ. It's the basic idea. You know, uh, uh, you know yeah. follow my example as I follow Christ's example. Um, I think women and men. Our ultimate goal is to be is to is to put on the character and the mindset, the mentality uh, of Christ to be more like God. Um, I know for women that's a different. I can't comment on what it means to be a woman and look at Christ, um, but I do know that God exhibits both. And that same love and affection that God has, um, the nurturing that he has, um, all of that, uh, to th- the ultimate woman is still God and the ultimate man is still God. And that's why he was able to create both because he is ultimately, you know, absolute both. And that needs to be where we go to. Um, and our, our holisticness will come as we imitate Christ. Um, you. Mm-hmm. you, you It doesn't come from somebody else. Our identity, whether sexual or uh, cultural or gender, should not come from anybody outside of Christ and God. That's where we ultimately come from. And ultimately, like I said, I'm a man because God has given me that side of him. That's what makes me a man. That's what makes me a man. Yeah. and and i can't comment on transgender i know that that's that's mm-hmm. very hard um transsexual is it, it's a very very difficult place to be um because you have to figure that out and i think god will reveal that to you i, I absolutely know that i take that back i don't think i know god will reveal that to you um and that's your personal journey with him but i know for me that's where i look that's where i look to because mm-hmm. if he is able to express himself in a masculine way, then I know I am able to do that. And it doesn't come from what I do and it doesn't come from who I am with. It comes from him. And that is the, to me, the healthiest way you can do it.
1: Yep. I would agree. Uh, Tony, thank you so much for this conversation. I really appreciate you coming on again. Uh, You're kind of a regular guest now. I think to this point, I'm not even going to put your name in the title anymore. It's just going to be what it is. Uh, Because you are like that. That's it. You're just a regular. Now you're almost basically a co-host. So I appreciate you coming on, man. I always appreciate your perspectives and and what you bring to the table. Uh, Looking forward to having you on again, man. It's such an honor, Ryan. Thanks for having me on. This was fun. So there you have it, our conversation with Tony Anoboli. And this is only scratching the surface. There is so much more to masculinity than meets the eye. See what I did there? Kind of a Transformers reference. But yes, there is so much more. This is only scratching the surface of that conversation. But I believe to be better human beings, we need to have fuller and better understandings of who we are. So I do hope this inspires you maybe to make some changes in the way you view men or view yourselves. Um, And I hope that this is the beginning of a larger conversation that is happening um, around the country and around the world. Uh, if you want, subscribe to us on iTunes, uh, Stitcher, pretty much any of the podcasting apps. Um, and also, we have a Patreon, patreon.com slash absurditypodcast. So if you want to support me support this podcast, please throw us a dollar, five dollars, whatever you want to give. That is really, really helpful for me to be able to keep the lights on in this place. Um, and lastly, we also have a Facebook, facebook.com slash absurditypodcast. So go ahead and like us there. Um, I did it so that we could finally get some advertising for this podcast and spread the word. Now that we've got a pretty good episode base and we're uh, a pretty good listener base as well, I think it's time to grow and continue to move forward. Thank you guys so much for listening, for supporting, and uh, for interacting with my content. Really, really honored that you are listening, and I hope you guys have a great week. We'll see you next time. Today's episode of Absurdity is sponsored by The Haystack. The Haystack is a voice for young adults in the Seventh-day Adventist Church that produces articles, music reviews, videos, and more. To check them out, go to www.thehaystack.org. The Haystack. Life. Culture. Theology.